podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast, back for 2019. My name's Daniel. It's your boy, Double H. Happy New Year, everyone. It's Carl Anker. Yeah, Happy New Year. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. If you're listening on Spotify, shout out to you guys as well. If you're listening on Apple, leave a five-star review and we will read it on the show. We got two, um, so I'll go ahead and read those now. This one's from Norway. Uh, new favorite football podcast. Love these guys. Funny and insightful with great chemistry. Check it out from a guy called Stian. And uh, this one's from Australia. Love the pod. Great football podcast. The hosts talk deeply into a few big games and clubs and have fantastic insight. Keep up the good work from Heliwell. 03. So shout out to you guys for your five-star review. Um, it's easy. If you go into the description of the podcast, there's a link, and it's the easiest way to do that. If you don't listen on an Apple device, then, you know, word of luck in that sense. But you can always follow us on Twitter and do other things uh, to support us in that way. Speaking of support, we do have a little announcement, not even a little, a big one. People have been asking for a year, year and a half, probably, like, oh, when are you going to do a Patreon page? Like, one or two people have gotten in touch with me, like, oh, how do I, how do we help you out? How do we do this? How do we do that? Tomorrow, we're going to be launching our Patreon page. If you don't know, it's like a, how would you guys describe it? Basically, it's pretty much, it's a website where you can pledge towards helping or su- supporting your favorite podcast, your favorite TV show, your favorite personality. And it's done based on different tiers. So, there's a one dollar tier, a three dollar tier, a five dollar tier, and for each tier, you get sort of a reward based on the tier that you use to um, that you pretty much pledge towards. So, depending on how much you pledge, uh, how much extra things or extra content that you get from your favorites, podcast, TV show, or personality. Cool. Yeah. So we have three tiers that we're going to line up for that we've lined up for you guys. Uh, the first one is one dollar. It's just like a friend of the podcast thing. If you just want to put a little money on the books, but you don't want to like spend crazy, um, you don't really get anything for it except like our eternal gratitude. Three dollars. That's when you start getting good stuff. Three dollars a month. You get talking tactics extra, man. People are really want like yo when are you guys gonna put out talking tactics extras i love talking tactics extras man linking the schedules and just like sitting down to do an extra every week is like very difficult it's like basically it's like two twofold the pledging is a way of helping and showing your support but at the same time as a thank you for your sort for your support we will give you a reward based based on everything so at first and foremost it's a pleasure of support of thank you for actually supporting us because again anything that you do in life takes time mm. takes time out of your own time and it's it's hard to to, to do so so the, so the pledge is a show of support and as a thank you for that support you know we give you some something extra you know so we're, we're simply asking our fans to make a donation to help cover production costs yeah and uh, there's a ten dollar tier i figure like we might as well give if anybody wants to give more than one or three and that one includes the talking tactics extra in the in the three dollar tier as well there's going to be like a bi-weekly blog that one of us will write and then included with that if you do ten dollars there's merch so if you want like a cup or a pillow or something i want a talking tactics mug i don't i want one too but yeah um and also there's going to be like a google hangout that we can do every month um if you pledge ten dollars and we'll set a date we'll set a time and we'll just have a bunch of people that have given ten dollars you know we'll set out like an hour hour and a half to talk with you guys once a month so i feel like that could be cool and interesting we can talk about podcast stuff. We can talk about anything, I suppose. But yeah, um, so those are the three tiers. Um, when the when the site launches, we'll put the link on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, you can check it out, look through the tiers, and just help us out. Like, like the guy said, I mean, our time 
it's valuable to us, uh, but we do like doing this podcast and this will help us cover production costs and hopefully make a better product uh, for you guys and, and ensure that we keep doing it. So with that said, do you guys have anything you want to discuss? Like anything coming out this week or next week that you feel is relevant? While we're recording, we're watching Wolves versus Liverpool in the FA Cup. Uh, and the notable thing here is Lovren's just gone off injured after five minutes, um, which could be a big thing in terms of tight race. Liverpool have replaced him with a 16-year-old Dutch child um, called Kijana Hoiver. I don't believe he's a, he's a centre-back, so they're playing a 16-year-old at centre-back right now. He's the youngest player to ever feature for Liverpool in the FA Cup, the third youngest player in their history. Um, to really put in context how young this kid is, he was born in 2002. Mm. <laughs> that We're all just first, getting old, man. We're that means the old. first. That means the first football tournament he properly remembers. The first World Cup he properly remembers is 2010. Oh, man. What's the first World Cup you guys fully remember? 98. 98. Yeah. Wow. So 94 was mine. Hey, that's don't reveal any. That's age. not gonna make the podcast. It's not gonna make the podcast. Now that I put your age out there, what? You're not a, see, and I don't even want to make it like a, a gender thing. But you know how women are like super secretive of their ages yeah. in, in that way. Why are dudes like that? Just, you know, like, you know, you know, keep things on the wraps. So I, I like to be a mystery. Half of it is a mystery. He's he's an enigma. Um, I mean, so so he's my hair. I'm, no one's gonna find out how old I am. Once I proper bold it off, and I'm gonna be in that ambiguous: is he 35 or is he 50 stage mm. like Drogba? No, 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 no. Bald, bald head definitely walks, man. Drugs of bald is weird, man. It's weird. Anyway. um, You don't know how old he is. Is he 40? Is he 50? Who knows? We've been off for a couple weeks and a lot of things have happened, um, especially in the Premier League, but maybe elsewhere if you guys can think of it. So I just want to give you guys the floor on any particular subject or topic that's happened over the past couple weeks that you find interesting. You know, share it with us. Oh, no, no. For me, I think the biggest thing for me, I really feel is the situation at Real Madrid. I think, obviously, the biggest thing was really City, Liverpool, but I think the biggest story, because, again, this is talking tactics, not talking Premier League, okay? Football is beyond just the Premier League. Man, what Real Madrid, it's, it's a whole mess up. And the key thing here is, is it really as simple as, oh, there's no Cristiano? Or is it deeper than that? Is it about Paris? Is it about this whole Galactical thing? Is it about how the club is, is being run? And... It's to a stage where I think the last I read is that Sergio Ramos had like an emergency player-to-player meeting. And now it's a case of Ramos. Ramos was the guy who pretty much vetoed Conte joining the club. So is it a case of where Sergio Ramos needs to step aside and let a authoritarian come into it? Or can the players actually come together and actually really try to work with Solari to get something happening? Because I, I've said this right now. Ajax are beating Real Madrid. They're beating them next month. And I'll be shocked if Real Madrid over two legs beats a team with the leads, De Jong and all those guys in there. So, yeah, man, um, it doesn't look, look good. We're talking about how so Real Madrid lost this weekend against Real Sociedad to leave them in fifth place in La Liga. They're on fifth place with 30 points. Barcelona top with 40. Um, top four teams in La Liga are in the Champions League spaces. So well, How many games have, have they played in La Liga? We are halfway through. Through. And they only have 30 points. So 18 games, third. that's horrible. Uh, 1-9, drawn three, lost six. Wow. Goal difference of three. <laughs> um, I, I really, let's really, really put it, no, I, I don't want to understate how bad a 2018 Julian Lopetegui had. That guy, whew, he had 
one of the what what should have been one of the best years of his life, taking Spain to to argue what what should have been at least a semi final run, mm. um, helping Isco become the crown prince of world football, gets fired days before the World Cup starts, takes over Real Madrid, and is. <laughs> A brick is the word you're looking for, God. Yeah, yeah. Br- brick is brick is the most succinct way of putting it. Um, Real Madrid only a point off Alaves in um in fourth in La Liga. A reminder that the top four teams in England, Italy, Germany, and Spain now automatically get Champions League slots. No need for qualifiers and whatnot. So fourth place, while bad for Real Madrid, will do in terms of we'll get Champions League. Then we'll go off and spend a ridiculous amount of money to buy whatever superstars we need. But yeah, Real Madrid having arguably the worst year since I think maybe one of the mid nineties ones. This is this is unprecedented. Normally, the amount of money Real Madrid has cushions them from falling below third. But it's a real topsy turvy La Liga season. And if actually, I'm pretty annoyed that no one's been able to put a better title to run together because it's there for the taking if Madrid could get sorted out they could be far closer than the five points they are behind but your question Daniel was what have we really learned from from our uh, couple of weeks off mm-hmm. and it's basically we have a title race we have a title race in England and in Germany so Dortmund lost to Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, before their winter break to, to take, cut the gap between them and, and Bayern Munich down to six points which in theory, it shouldn't be worrying, but when Bayern Munich get going, they really get going. When Lewandowski starts getting those braces and going through the motions, Niko Kovac uh, seems to have finally figured out a system. He sort of like rejigged this 4-1-4-1 thing he was doing at the start of the season that wasn't really working. Um, Ian Robin and Frank Ribery have more or less gone, yeah, we're leaving at the end of the season, so let's just go hell for leather. Time out, time out, time out. Did you guys read the thing that Ribery said? Yep. Ribery's having a <laughs> he very, doesn't very... Care. He doesn't care. Wait, wait, what did he say? What, what did he say? What did he say? Okay, so there was a country like he basically went to see the, the Salt Bay guy in Turkey, right? And he brought him out this like elaborate gold steak, basically. Like you know how they have edible gold? A thousand pound gold steak. Right. And I guess it was a French politician or somebody in French society of some standing criticized Ribéry for his spending habits. And basically, he was like, let's start out 2019 on, on the right foot, basically. <laughs> he, he basically said, like, he, he, he said he had haters, basically, like people that were born because somebody's condom broke. So he was wow. like, fuck, he said, fuck your mom, fuck your grandma, <laughs> and your whole family tree. Like, the only people that I really care about are my family and God. And he just ri- and he put the statement out. I think probably on Instagram, Snapchat. Took a screenshot, put it on Twitter, and uh, he got fined. Bayern Munich hasn't released the official like number of how much he got fined, but they said it was like a substantial amount. So, so, so like when Carl says like uh, Robin and Ribery doing their thing, like because they're leaving, he I don't think he cares. Like he's doing anything and saying anything he wants. Apparently, yeah, he was so. Uh, I don't know, but he, he's always been that 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 kind of dude, man. Yeah. He was photographed with six nine, the rapper as well. So he's he's clearly going through some sort of late adolescence. Uh, you, you see it quite often in footballers as they get near their retirement age, in that they're finally allowed to do stuff that most people get out of their system by twenty one in their college years. No, no, but I, th- I think that Reaper is different though because 
I just think that he's always had that. Because remember, 2010 World Cup, I remember it fully. Like, I think at in the second half against Mexico, he was coaching the team. He actually held the team talk for the team, and they went ahead and still lost the game. Oh, yeah. Ribery is... <laughs> Ripley is a, is a very much a leader of men. Ever since 2010, he's been like persona non grata in France because he was part of like that little mutiny that happened with Dominus, right? Mm. And I, I was reading on Twitter, like people from France, they were saying because people don't like the person who criticized him and he went so hard, he basically went two-footed on this woman, this situation in some way is like reviving his reputation in France because <laughs> he went so hard. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 surprised that like he would put that out publicly. But yeah, it goes to Carl's point. I guess he's having like some sort of midlife crisis, even though he's like 32, maybe. No, I would, I'd say late adolescence. I'd say late adolescence. I think he's he's 19 to 20. Oh my god, I've discovered bands, and I don't want to say weed because obviously he's not smoking weed. But I've I've discovered freedom that I wouldn't normally had have. Mm. Um, so that's Germany. Also in England, obviously we've had we we had the massive. Thursday, 3rd of January clash between Liverpool and Manchester City, which City won. Um, so it's only four points between Man City and Liverpool at the top of the table. Um, of course, I'm skipping bits. Basically, City lost twice over the Christmas <laughs> period, which was unprecedented and delightful. Uh, so yeah, we've got a proper title race. The bookies have Liverpool as the slight favourites. I was on the Totally Football podcast over Christmas and I said City are going to win it because City have just more money. Unfortunately, and a, and a slightly deeper squad, boys. Uh, we're going to do this throughout the show, but I want some 2019 predictions from you. Who's going to win the Premier League? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with Manchester City because City. I feel like Liverpool haven't had a bad spell yet, and it's going to come. Like it's inevitable. Like I, they're they're going to drop six out of nine points or four out of. 12 or something like that it's going to be they're going to have a bad moment city kind of already had this even though last season was like very special for manchester city and like they won however many games in a row they had 100 points etc etc normally when we think of manchester city winning the premier league it's they come from behind and i don't know maybe the team's changed so much pep guardiola's changed the ethos of the team so maybe that's not relevant but was it 2014 when Liverpool had that lead and then, you know, they kind of, they messed it up. They lost to Chelsea. They literally then. slipped. Interesting yeah. thing about that season is uh, no one really talks about how Chelsea let that slip. Hey, easy. Gerard, yes, Gerard said this does not slip and then literally slipped <laughs> and cost Liverpool the title. But I don't think enough is quite made of how Mourinho's Chelsea finished third that year. Before broadcasting, I said I don't want to talk too much about uh, the Portuguese manager, formerly known as Jose Mourinho, in case I go on a massive hey, rant. Hey, hey, no, His name is Uncle Mo. Respect him. And also Benfica. Don't you disrespect my my boy by offering a managerial offer? Respect. I'm not. Him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about him too much. It's a brand new year. I don't want to. I don't know. You know. I'm leaving that man in 2018. Show some respect. I'm leaving that man in 2018. Like all the other bad vibes and toxic personalities. So show some respect. So I don't want to talk about him too much. But so look, yeah, those are my two big things. Um, we've got tight races again. It looks like also on the other end of spec on uh, the the Premier League table at the very least, it looks like Huddersfield are gonna get relegated. Some really remarkable things going on in the transfer market as the windows just open up. Christian Pulisic has signed for Chelsea. He's been loaned back to Dortmund, so he'll be back. He'll be in Chelsea colours in August. Uh, it looks like Callum Hudson Adoy will be going to Bayern Munich, most likely for forty million. Actually, actually no, sorry, like, says that he wants him to stay. Uh, I I have on 
according to my reports, Callum has told Chelsea that he intends to leave and go to Bayern. Um, and, and now it's more or less, will Bayern reach the 40 million? Really interesting about Bayern Munich is obviously with, with Robin and Ribéry leaving, they are making some really interesting moves in the transfer market to, to basically get younger wingers and, and lower their age profile. So they, they, they're looking to get Callum Hudson-Doy. Also, Alfonso Davis has just joined from Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, the young Canadian player from the MLS has just has just come over and is is getting. It's a really interesting immigration package that they've given him to basically help him acclimatize to German football. They've more or less said we don't want Renato Sanchez part two. They've all gone. How did Renato Sanchez happen? All right, he didn't understand German. Okay, he didn't really even even when he wasn't really playing for first when he wasn't playing, he didn't spend much time talking to the first team. He hasn't really got a mentor. So they've basically gone with Alfonso Davis. How are we going to to revert this? So uh, Davis has his regular training session and he also has an academic training session. So he has two German lessons planned in per week to help him get up to speed with his German. Uh, regardless of what happens on a home game, Davis is allowed in the first team changing room at full time, at half time to talk to everyone. Frank Ribery has been basically told to, to escort that boy around the Bayern Munich Megaplex. And they're they're all going. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be playing next season on the wing. So we need you to be up to speed and everything. And it looks as if they're making a similar package deal for Callum, which speaks to how the Bundesliga is becoming the new breeding ground for young talent. Because they've you know in in a in, in like a typical German style, they've gone right. How do we make what are young people really afraid of when they move countries? Learning languages and being alone. How do we fix that? This I don't want to say typical German efficiency in in helping immigrants acclimatized but uh it's near typical german efficiency hmm. daniel what would you like to talk about no i mean you guys kind of you, you kind of stepped on it um enough with the the hudson adoy thing just coming looking at it from like a, a chelsea perspective i thought that was really interesting about buying spending 40 million on a teenager from chelsea's youth academy <laughs> and Chelsea can't figure out a way to get this guy minutes. <laughs> I'm just looking at the situation. Like, if Bayern Munich of all clubs, like the third, traditionally the third best team in in the world, are coming after your club, uh, your club's best youth academy product, and you can't figure out a way to get him in the team, I think there's there's a clear discrepancy in like what you should be doing and what's happening. Danny, if you're Callum Hudson Odoi, what would you do in this in this situation? If it's as Carl says, and Bayern are basically laying out the red carpet, they have um, deals for me, they're going to try to make it easy, and they're promising me minutes, I think I'd be tempted to go to Bayern if I were him, especially seeing what's happening with Jadon Sancho. That Those factors and the fact that Chelsea, I think he came out today, like sorry, and was like, what do you want me to do? You want me to bench Willian? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I want you to bench Willian. Do you know how, do you know how sick that statement is? He, so he's he's basically like, what, what what do you want me? I have Pedro and I have William. What would you what do you want me to do? You want me to put him on the bench? I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. But like that mentality of Chelsea managers are so worried about the sack because it's Abramovich traditionally has that quick trigger that I'm not gonna risk my tenure here at the football club with the 18 year old. No matter how good people tell me he is, no matter how good I might see, I'm always gonna go with the player that's. 30 plus or 27 to 30 that is an international is experienced. I can speak to him on a level that I might not be able to speak with the teenager. Like they're always going to prefer that. 
So it would need like some radical person to come in and be like, Hudson Adoy, you're my guy for the next 10 years or however long I'm going to be here. You know what I mean? Um, and Sari's not that guy. As much as he might want to be, he, he praises Hudson Adoy, he praises Ampadu, he praises these players, but talk is cheap. Like, show me action. And in his actions, I think Hudson Adoy has played seven games, started maybe three or four. And those are like Europa League games and League Cup games. Wolves just scored. Is it Jimenez? Raul, Raul Jimenez has scored. James Milner carelessly losing possession on an attempted Cruyff turn. Jimenez is on loan from Benfica, I believe, or some Portuguese club. Um, and his buyout is like in the 30s, like 30 million euros or something like that. And I don't think Wolves are going to try to do that. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get Tammy Abraham from Chelsea, who's like the leading scorer in the championship at the moment. That's kind of interesting. They're trying to get him off from loan at Aston Villa. And I think quite a few clubs in the Premier League are, are interested yeah. in getting him, hopefully, to fire them out of a relegation battle. Yeah. I know, um, well, Huddersfield need a striker for one, as do Crystal Palace. So there's been a lot of back and forth with the FA as to whether or not Tammy Abraham can play for three clubs in the in the same football season because he played for Chelsea in the Community Shield and he played in the under-23s. Um, but according to FA ruling, they basically said, the, uh, the Community Shield is a friendly game. Well, they, they said worse to the effect that the Community Shield was a friendly game and on the 23s or the under 23s. So Tammy Abraham is available um, hmm. in this loan window. Quick 2019 prediction. Where's Tammy Abraham going to be playing his football in February? Aston Villa. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> you know what? Oh, is, is it in Chelsea's best interest to like, especially as a club that wants to do all these loans, is it in your best interest to like renege on the loan? And just like pull him from a place where you said he'll be here all season. Because what does that do next summer if you want to put a player in a particular club and they're like, hmm, if he does well here by January, they'll just yank him and put him somewhere else. If Tammy Abraham wants to leave right now, well, okay, fair enough. I think he'll most likely stay at Aston Villa come the end of January's window. But I'd, I'd like to see him at Huddersfield or Crystal Palace. I'd like to see more English players at Crystal Palace right now because Crystal Palace desperately need a striker. But there, there, there's plenty of personnel that should be moving in this January transfer window. There's no World Cup this year, so you don't have to, but just get some game time. Do you go all out to get Coutinho this window if he's available? No, no. Um, I'm, you sh if you're the if you're Edward Wood or the higher ups at Manchester United, you should not authorize a hundred million pound deal for any player, regardless of if they're available or not. I don't want Manchester United to be in the transfer market right now unless Koulibaly's agent calls you up and says, hey, 75 million is yours. Because nothing particularly matters for Manchester United for the rest of this season un un until unless it's, we're going to get director of football and here's a new manager. But those are the Manchester United's priorities. Not, here is yet another shiny new toy who plays not quite as a number 10, but also on the wide areas. We've got enough players that can do that. I shouldn't say we. Manchester United have enough players that can do that. <laughs> Claim it, Carl. Claim it. No, okay, so like, how do you feel so far about the, the Solskjaer project? Foreshadowing of the future, or is it just more you guys have played dead teams, so you're getting three points now? Um, I think six or one, half a dozen or the other. Okay. Like the 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 run of Cardiff, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, and Reading were, were definitely winnable games on the previous football manager. But I think the nature of which Manchester United did it, where they they scored seventeen goals, that would never have been possible on the the previous manager. Um, <laughs> there are you know current bookies have 
Ole Gunnar as the second favourite to be the permanent Manchester United boss. You shouldn't. I think they should shake hands and say thank you very much. Goodbye. As Chelsea showed us after that, their goose-hitting half season, this is what you do when you replace that man. You bring a you bring in an HR specialist. You fix the changing room. You you improve morale, and then you get your next manager. Um, obviously Chelsea went for uh, a disciplinarian, Antonio Conte, who had a really good first season and not so good second season. But yeah, what what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing isn't revolutionary. What he's doing is basically he's encouraging his players. I think some of the comments from Luke Shaw, Paul Pogba, Lukaku and Rashid have been really, really enlightening. Basically going, yeah, he talks to me. He, he talks to me one on one. He says what I can do. Lukaku says some interesting comments about how Oli wants me to face the goal. He doesn't want me to be the traditional target on my back to goal. He goes, I'm more dangerous with when I face the goal. Uh, he said, this is what Oli's been doing for me. Um, a lot of the conversation about, you know, Lukaku's playing football like he's wearing jeans and his first touch is bad or because he's playing with his back towards goal. It's, it's quite hard to constantly have balls volleyed in at your chest and your shins and having to control that stop dead. I think only really the tier one slash upper band of tier two strikers can do that. And, and Lukaku isn't in that band right now you know whether or not his technical quality or his confidence but that's not what he's best at doing so all he's gone how do i fix this uh you know other changes Manchester united the fullbacks are bombing forward they're going past the halfway line which means that you know there are options there's the, there's the overlap ball for the for the wide men which is really really helpful um the two wide men normally are playing a little bit more centrally and they've been tasked to occupy the other team's defensive midfielders, which means when Pogba gets the ball, he's got runners. He's got at least four options to pass to at all times, which is why you're seeing this improved bit from Paul Pogba. And he's got less defensive work to do because uh, Matic now has a true, like, well, a slightly easier role to do in that he's been tasked to just drop deeper. There are still the weaknesses from Manchester United on, on set pieces, but this is a Manchester United playing closer to the sum of their parts. And I, I think this should put to bed any argument that the previous manager is fit for purpose in the top one percent of world football. And I think it's it's nice it's nice to watch a Manchester United game knowing you're going to get somewhat good quality football, some a somewhat decent attacking display. Are you going to see Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford when Alexis Sanchez returns? Some of the more entertaining, exciting players in the Premier League play halfway decent football, which wasn't the case previously. But I don't want to like call Oli the second coming or predict he's gonna de Matteo it and get past PSG. I think he's doing a I think he's doing a very nice job, and it's a free hit and he and everyone you know it's Man United are fun to watch again. That's about it. Cool. All right. So the genesis of that question was Coutinho, and I'll give I'll, I'll throw it back to have hope. Um, I'm assuming you watch way more Barcelona than I do at this present mm -hmm. moment. What's going on with Coutinho, and why does this rumor even exist? First of all, Coutinho is, is overrated. Sorry, Carl, I have to use, use that term. He never really was that good. And I think that Liverpool fans had a fantasy of what he really was. And Liverpool pulled off one of the greatest fin finesses in transfer history of getting 160 billion for Coutinho. Now, the issue is this is that Coutinho is an impact player. You know, he's a guy, I mean, he can be a number 10, he can do it through, but the greater part of his game is running with the ball, shooting, and really being really effective on the on the counterattack. The incisiveness of the one-touch pass, pass and move, just does not fit in for Barcelona. Hence why, that is why you have to give far more credit to Dembele than Coutinho, because Dembele, that isn't his game. 
But Dembele, he struggled, he readjusted, and now you're now seeing him now understand what this whole system is about. But for Coutinho, every time he comes in, he's not getting he's, he's not on the same footballing wavelength as Suarez, Messi, and Jordi Alba. I just think that for Coutinho, like it's 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 two things. It was a bad fit. His footballing characteristic doesn't fit in with Barcelona, and also he just was never that good. It was it was it, it's a myth that he's this great, amazing number ten guy. No, he never was that good. If if they would have bought him for what he was actually worth, which was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty or sixty million euros. Uh, no, he wasn't. No, 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 no. Let's no, let's 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 not do this revisionism right now. Right, let's let's. I'm gonna no nit gritty. Are you telling me that Coutinho was worth one hundred and forty million euros? No, but let, let's read. That's let me, what no. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No, he was around like you, no, how, no, 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 no. Euros. Hang on, boys, boys. <laughs> is Coutinho worth 140 million? It's very different from Coutinho was worth closer to 50 million. I said 50 or 60. No, oh, those are two. Those are two. 50, very, 60, yes. Two, 60 very, max. 60 max. Boys. All right. I don't. I don't, don't want to do this Twitter football revisionism right now. And and you can look through the archive and listen to what we said about Coutinho before the deal was done. And I said before the deal was done that Barcelona probably shouldn't buy Coutinho and should be looking to buy Christian Eriksen mm. for 100. But and I said Coutinho is more closer to 100. But let's not say let's not call Coutinho not that dude. That guy was on fire for Liverpool in those last 12 months. That guy was every single statistical output. You look at that guy. I test out statistical output. What he brings to a changing room. He was as close to, now, listen to the words I'm saying. <laughs> this is why I'm pausing before one of you opens your mouth. Just get, get on with it, he bro. Was, he, was, he was as close to a viable blue chip player in world football as you can get. In the same way that you want to buy a player right now who's going to give you close to Messi Ronaldo production. Right? You want to talk about players you can buy? You can buy. You can buy. You could do that. You you were looking at Dembele, Hazard, Coutinho, Christian Eriksen, and then possibly Harry Kane. Although maybe it was like a little bit too early for Harry Kane before we realized, oh, this guy can do it whenever, wherever, and is made of adamantium. Right? All of those players are worth 100 million plus. Like, I'm all in on Coutinho. I think he's, I think that if Brazil stopped with their ridiculous Neymar sentiment and just gave Coutinho the left, I think Brazil would be better as an international football side. Whoa, I know whoa, many, whoa. I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> no, 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 come on, no, 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 the Dan, I know, he can't, I know keep many, Bra- on, you're not sorry, no, you can't, I know see many, Bra- I know Cal, many Brazilians no, that Cal, agree with me right there. Oh, I know many Brazilians that agree with me, and I'm telling you. I know many Brazilians that agree with me. I had several Brazilians talk to me at is length this, about no, why. No, 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 no. Is, is, is this how it started in 2019? <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a fact. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. What, what Coutinho yeah. is, and I'm going to so tell you what's wrong so with it. So it's 2019. You can't yeah. say no. That. Listen to me. Let, let me finish. Go, go ahead. I'm going to tell you what Coutinho is. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with him. This is what was going on. All right. This is what Brazilian football fans believe. Okay. When when I tell you that Brazilian football fans don't like Neymar, a lot of them go, I prefer Coutinho to do it because Coutinho offers more defensive output of the team. Coutinho allows you to play Firmino, Firmino up top rather than Gabo Jesus. Firmino, Coutinho doesn't do this weird thing where he's constantly manufacturing loads of fouls for free kicks that don't go anywhere. A lot of Brazilian football fans would prefer Coutinho to be starting in those big games rather than Neymar and have Neymar as the impact man. That's what that is. Now, 
Coutinho's problems with Barcelona right now. Coutinho hasn't started a game for Barcelona since December 2nd. A lot of Barcelona fans are, hmm, about this. A lot of Barcelona fans have very, very big problems with Valverde. They, they call him the accountant. They, they view him as a very deeply pragmatic man who is uh, very often relying on Messi to bail him out. They think he doesn't get the most out the side defensively. They think he's not doing the most out of their midfield. They think they're way- he's in this bizarre war of worlds with uh, Dembele and he's relying far too much on Suarez. You know, in terms of where is Coutinho playing, they're concerned. I know I know plenty of Barcelona fans who are concerned about Coutinho because they believe he is the real deal. And, and they are also quite scared that if Coutinho isn't managed properly, he could end up as the next Fabregas, who's there for three years, doesn't particularly do much, and then just fades out of play. So that's where the rumors are coming from. Coutinho is not overrated or a wash. Coutinho is just a very particular type of player who needs a better manager than Valverde. And I think all of us on this podcast can agree that Valverde is not the best type of manager for a talent oh, like Coutinho okay, can I ask or for you a talent quick. like Dembele. Who is better, Coutinho or Usman Dembele? They're two different players. Oh, Lord. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, now... Um, two different players, football players are doing two different things. If you're, are you, are you asking me who would I want if you gave me 150 million? I went, go buy one right now for Manchester yeah, United. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm asking that. So who, who, who would you go for then? I'd take Dembele because I need, I want another inside forward to go along with Martial. I wouldn't want Coutinho because Coutinho is a very unorthodox player. Okay, but you can't tell me who is the better player because they do different things. Yeah, I, I think, I think Coutinho has a magnificent talent that you should very much build a team around if you can get him. I also think that if you have a team that you're building around someone else right now, which Barcelona are doing because that team is run by Lionel Messi, then Coutinho, eh. I agree with you in the fact that it was a bad fit. As I said on previous podcasts, I always believe Christian Eriksen to be a better purchase for Barcelona. But to say that he he he's not the guy, no, nah, Coutinho's the guy. Trust me. Okay, Messi, my assessment is because I have been watching... Barcelona quite a, quite a bit this season. Coutinho has been given opportunities and he's been given chances. He's had stats, he's come off the, the, the bench and he's, been, and he's been given minutes. The first matter is that he's not made a big enough impact. And that is because never has Coutinho had an amazing season. He's had like an amazing 10 to 12 games. He's never been a guy who have said, oh no, this has been one of the best players in a season. He's never had an Edna Hazard season. He's never had a David Silva season. He's never had a Mara season. He's never had a season when he's been one of the best players in a league. And to say that and any of those Brazilians who opened their mouth and said that they would rather have Coutinho in a team than Neymar are morons. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but you have to be either thick or moronic to say that Coutinho has a better chance of leading Brazil than Neymar. Say all you want about Neymar, about him falling over, everything like that. Neymar is a generational talent. He's a generational talent. Coutinho is not in the same stratosphere as Neymar. You, you, you cannot mention them in the same breath. So, and I think the thing with Coutinho is that he's a really good player. Of course, he's a, he's a really good player. He's just not that player. He's just not that dude. And any stats of goals, assists, meters run, um, eggs cooked and everything, <laughs> don't, don't mean anything. Because at the end of the day, for Liverpool, he was just an appendage. He was never the star or the glue of Liverpool. He was just a really good addition to the team. And and, and that's it. He said ex All right, okay. If if I could split the baby, before I was interrupted, okay. Well, the problem I think people are having is if you do choose to pay $140 million for Coutinho, you might expect 140 million euros of production. 
So the perception of Coutinho might have been a little bit more than I think what the reality was. And then you add the expectation of 140 million euros. If, if he was purchased for a normal amount of money or a more reasonable amount, people would look at him in a different light. But because it was linked to the Neymar transfer and Liverpool knew that Barcelona had 220 million euros of PSG's money, they had to pay up. Same way Dortmund had to pay up for Dembele. Mm. Expectation I mean, is the root of all heartache. If you expect Coutinho to be a 140 million euro player, he's not going to be that because that's just an insane amount of money. I already believe that. Coutinho, Barcelona, is he really going to walk under the whole Messi thing? Now you put 140 million upon there, then the spotlight is far greater, the pressure is far greater. It's like, this just is, this spells a disaster. And the expectation happened. isn't even Coutinho's fault, but mm. it's what the clubs had to pay for each other. Like, Coutinho's Coutinho. Like, you can have the argument whether he's that dude, whether he's not, whether he's better than Neymar, whether he's not. That's irrelevant as to why did they pay that much money for this particular player? And you have to realize the expectation that that price tag is going to cost. He's the, what, the second most expensive player of all time? Bro, I mean, really? And that's because he came after the most expensive. That's all I wanted to say. Anyway, Carl, you had a you had a topic. Our New Year's resolutions for 2019. I would hope it would be like not to yell at each other a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you introduce this segment and uh, we, can, we can run from there. Yeah, well, basically I want to talk about how it's 2019. New year, everyone's trying to be a new you and, and gonna be a better version of themselves. So I want to have a little segment here talking about what we're hoping from football in 2019 and hoping what that we want to bring to, to football punditry uh, and commentary this year. So my resolution for, for talking tactics this year is I want to talk about women's football more. Um, so... This week, I'm written an article for The Athletic about Manchester United's women's team. So it's their first season after a 13-year absence from the women's game. And I've, I've been looking at United's impact on the women's championship, um, what the new restructured women's leagues mean for women's football as a whole in England, and basically what we can expect ahead of the Women's World Cup this year in France. So that's my, that's my resolution. Um, Danny, you can you can go. You can all go. Right, all right. Um, something something I want to stop in football. Um, and I only just realized this today. Can we? I, you know what? Twelve months ago, we were in the similar position with Antoine Griezmann. Can y'all stop putting black on your face? <laughs> Is it this hard? Like, just stop putting black paint on your face. I'm assuming you guys have seen the Iniesta photo of like his <laughs> yeah, Christmas speaking, celebration. Speaking. Feliz and, Navidad. Feliz, oh, oh, no, so Danny, oh, you have to put that as the intro, man. What he just said. You could have put that as the intro. <laughs> there are no intros anymore, but... I do miss the intros. I miss the intros. I know, because you stole the format for your YouTube video. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice the, when you started putting those little intros in the, in the beginning. I know you took it from us. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how many ways to say it other than that. Like, if you're a professional footballer or a football fan, uh, don't put black on your face. It's, it's, I think it's in, in Spain and in a lot of these European countries, and I don't think it's actually a racial thing. I just think it's, it's, it comes from a point, a place of ignorance. You know, it's just a place of complete ignorance. You're not really aware of world things, race history, what these things mean. And because you, it's, I wouldn't say homogenous, but because you're, you've not really been very exposed to places beyond just continental Europe, you're like, oh, um, Grizzo is a fine term to, to use. It's, it's not racist. 
oh, black faces, yo, well, that's cool, it's not racist. So it's like, uh, no, it is. You, you need to really be far more cultured. Yeah, because I, I remember like Griezmann did it last year and then Carl sent a photo in the group chat. I think, who was it? Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, like, I never seen that picture before. I was like, what the hell is this? Bro? No, no, look, it's, it's, it's a mess, man. Ah, man. I just chill out with the blackface in, in, in 2019, please. Thank you. Okay, well, for me, I've had time to think. My resolution is to rely less on stats and more on so our f- footballing intuition to to analyze the beautiful game. Because yes, I think we should use stats to a degree, but we shouldn't lean and rely too heavily on stats. I just, I still, I still want us to really trust in the eye test and what we see and the little nuances that aren't obviously the intangibles. I think we should do a lot more into the intangibles of football and the things that can't be written down on a spreadsheet how about like using less social media oh my god that's huge like i mean, you know I mean like, like obviously like, that that's that's like a general like i'm not going to use twitter or facebook that much this year and then by like february 1st you're like posting 500 tweets a day or whatever it is but like you know how people just kind of go on twitter to watch games and just kind of take opinions from people on twitter like think for yourself in that sense you know i want to definitely use less social media they say because i just think that a lot what people do is they look for clicks and retweets so it's like okay what's the most shocking thing that i can tweet out just to get a reaction out of people and people will and even i've been a victim of this people will, will, will bite to it i'll be like oh my gosh how could you say that how could you say blah 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 but it's like, oh my gosh I, I just got finessed. Like they did that to have engagement, to get retweets, to get talks so that they can then expand on whatever their platform is. And I think, cause some, there's some really good stuff on Twitter. There's some hilarious stuff on Twitter, but I think that do not use social media too much. Read a book, go outside, talk to some people face to face. And yeah, don't be a slave to your phone and to um, Twitter, Instagram and all that stuff and Facebook. It's, it's not necessarily about not reading or thinking for yourself, because I feel like if some people think for themselves, they can end up in like bad situations, mm. i.e. Kanye West, et cetera. Like, being a free thinker isn't necessarily always the right way. It's like being more Read judicious. books. How many times do I both have to tell you to read books? Kanye West said he doesn't read books. For the love of God, <laughs> read some goddamn books. Being being more judicious with who you listen to, I think, is a better resolution than just oh, like wow. not listening to Wow, just anybody. got a pretty damn good goal, 1-1. One, one. Reading books just isn't good enough if you're reading trash. Like, you have to pick the correct book. You have to read the right Twitter account. You have to, like, be smarter books, with, with where you get your books. information. Books, newspapers, read from a wide variety of sources. Read stuff you agree with. Read stuff you don't agree with. Read stuff you enjoyed as a, before and then analyze why you enjoyed it. Read stuff you disagree with and go, why do I disagree with this? Activate what's going on. However, this is less to do with football and more to do with life life in general. Um, <laughs> in regards Any to more stats, resolutions you got other than other than women's football? Just looking more into racism football. Uh, I think I need to, as, as we mentioned after the Sterling Digest, we need to stop going. Something must be done and, and start looking into what we can do in terms of direct action whether that's through organizations like Kick It Out or more grassroots organizations. Yo, yo, that was one story that... Did that happen over the season. over the winter period about the Koulibaly thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where can you go? <laughs> <laughs> you can't go to Spain. You can't go to Italy. You can't go to England. They'll call you black cunts. They'll just <laughs> fuck your pants at you. Like, wh- wh- where do you go, dude? Does everyone just go back to Africa and start playing for... I don't know, police FC in Kampala. Like, 
what are we going to do? Look, man, Europe, man, they, they have an issue. And this issue has been around for a long time. <sighs> Fans and listeners, please, please let us know what are your footballing resolutions for 2019. Are you going to be watching more French League, more Italian League? Are you going to be watching less Premier League? Are you going to be going to grass? Are you going to go to more football games this year? Or are you going to be going to less football games this year? Uh, I know of a gentleman who spent one year watching a game of football every single day. Um, so basically looked at the fixture, the international fixtures around the world and basically found the way to watch at least one game, at least half an hour of a game of football every single day. Uh, and what he learned about football that way and how he learned about some thrilling matches in, in leagues in Asia. Um, I know of a man called Harry Flowers who spent one year where he didn't watch or read or in, digest anything to do with football for a year. And basically his big Takeaway from that was you don't like football. You're just addicted to football. Football gives you a, a, a social option for you to do every single week, more or less. I know some people who have spent years, uh, a year going, I'm not going to watch any Premier League because I think it's the game is a flush with money. I know people who have gone, I'm going to spend this year just watching women's football or spend all this year watching non-league football. So please let us know what you're going to be doing this year in terms of football. Recommend everyone at least tr make an effort to watch four games of women's football this year which you know, you can easily knock out with the Women's World Cup. It's going to be on free TV this summer. Um, England are going to have a really good chance to win it this year as well. Uh, my friend Carrie Dunn maintains that the It's Coming Home movement started with the Women's World Cup in 2015 and England's efforts. Yeah, let us know. Leave us a comment. Send us a tweet. Hashtag Talking Tactics. Your, we'll find what's your, what's your footballing resolution? What's your footballing resolution for, for 2019? Are you going to be more into stacks, less into stacks? Are you going to check out um, the art of goalkeeping? Are you going to check out the art of uh, attacking football? Are you going to read more of Players' Tribune? Please read more of Players' Tribune. Are you going to listen to more podcasts, less podcasts? Let us know. Now uh, we can go into questions. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, speaking of what Carl just said, so Danny, how much women's football did you watch in 2018? Or how much women's football do you watch in general? I don't watch as much as I should. But with the World Cup, I'm sure we'll think of something. To like cover it, especially like Afcon as well. Like I don't like Afcon in the summer, by the way, but we'll we'll think of something for these tournaments. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't watch as much as I should. I mean, I mean, but but if so, but from the women's football that that you've that you've seen, do you think that it's something that you'd be watching at the same frequency as Premier League, Champions League, and and, and so forth? You or? see, like I think we all people get, um, and we've had discussions about this in the past, but I think people get trapped into expecting women's football to look like men's football and it's just it's not it's a different game and if you come into it with the foresight that it's a different game or at least it's it's the same rules but it's played at a different pace with a different style mm. and you you accept that reality then i think you should be able to enjoy it if you come into it expecting oh there's going to be a woman that sprints like gareth bale like that's just not going to happen but you can enjoy a comparable experience i suppose if you come into it with the foresight that this isn't going to be men's football it's women's football and i'm going to enjoy it for what it is it's the same way with the WNBA. i see people like oh uh, they, they don't dunk the, the rim's 10 feet like there are mm. limitations to what some people are able to do i could still watch uconn play notre dame in women's college basketball and enjoy it and still be enwrapped and enthralled with the drama and the talent that they have on their level it's not Oh, it's not men. When I it, that's a stupid frame of reference to come to this with, and it's just a way to just oh, if it's not like what I'm used to, then it's trash. Oh no, no, no I think no, it's true. And I think it's where for me. I just think like definitely should you should 
come in there with an expectancy of what you're going to get. But my thing is that if, let's say, I mean, for instance, like I don't watch Division Three for football, or I don't watch Division, I don't, I don't really watch that much Division Two or Division One. If it's around, I may see and watch it. But the reason why we are glued and we can talk for hours on ban the Juventus, Real Madrid against like a um, Barcelona or so forth is because this is this is these people are playing the sports at the highest possible level. So while I do believe that women's football definitely needs a lot more exposure. And there, and and there definitely needs more, more more channels to be shown upon. You can't expect it to be have the same exposure as what you see in the Champions League or the Premier League, because the Premier League, Champions League, and World Cup is just the highest possible product. So even when I watch women's football, I'm like, oh you no, know, oh, it's it's interesting because it's a different game, but it's just not on the same quality, and it will never be under the same high level as the best guys on the planet playing the sport. As so, we have stated on this podcast before. And as Daniel's just stated, women's football is a different sport. So when you argue that it will not be of the same quality as the men's game, you once again are misinterpreting the fact that it's a different sport. You should not compare women's football to Division Three, um, to watching Division Three as compared to watching you uh, Bayern Munich versus Juventus. What you should be doing is comparing women's football to men's football as more akin to watching the Premier League as compared to watching the French League. So if you watch League One now, outside of PSG on the top four, the French League right now looks a lot like 90s Premier League. A lot of teams play 4-4-2. There's a lot of orthodox front men. Uh, they're just really having a renaissance now with overlapping fullbacks. And what that does and opens up the game, for you, Hope, a man who talks how much he likes the 90s, how much he likes strike partnerships, League Gun is a very interesting prospect. Women's football is going through a similar tactical output right now. So a lot of teams are playing 4-4-2. You have quite a few orthodox front men. Um, there's a, quite a few midfield partnerships. Fullbacks are just really, we're really getting into a nice state of, of fullbacks uh, overlapping. When you say the quality is different, the quality is different because it's a different sport. As I talked before on this podcast, um, injury profiles are completely different in women's games because women's bodies are built differently from men's bodies. Women are a lot more susceptible to tearing their ACLs because of the way women's hips are different to men's hips and how that puts unique stresses on the knees. As Daniel said, don't go into women's football expecting it to be like men's football. Go into it expecting it's going to be a completely different sport. It's going to have different midfield conundrums. It's going to have different types of strikers. Something that's really interesting right now in women's football is, is you have far more orthodox number nines in the same way you used to have Raul or Van Nistelrooy or Del Piero to an extent. You have a lot more orthodox goal poachers because you have a lot more of an orthodox crossing game. If, if you miss that sort of play from, from early 2000s football, uh, late 90s and early 2000s football, I recommend you watch a game of women's football. And like I said before, I'm not asking you to discuss women's football in the same way that we would spend a week previewing every single Champions League tie. All we're asking you quite nicely to do is to watch four games of women's football in 2019. And I'm sure you can do that when the Women's World Cup is around. There's plenty of sport to go around. It does not have to be a case of watching men's football or women's football. Just, you know, next time someone goes, oh, Frank Kirby did this. Just go, oh, who's Frank Kirby? And look at some things. Look into how the problems women footballers have right now in getting boots. All I'm saying is that you just said that it's a different sport. The sports that I love is a sport that we talk about on this podcast and it's what I talk about on the football hots and so forth. And I have, I because Nigeria were playing, I watched the Women's World World Cup. 
and I've watched previous other games with, with, with women and everything. And for me, I appreciate what that it is different, but it's just a sport that I can't get into. I've watched women's football extensively, trust me, because I, I tried to, to get into it. And I was like, you know what? This is just different. And this just isn't what I can't analyze this in the same kind of detail and the same kind of passion that I can for men's football. And if people want to take it away of like, oh my, you're being sexy and you're not appreciating it. No, I'm sorry, because it's just not on the same quality and level. And as you said, it's a different sport. And if it's a different sport, well, that's why I don't watch rugby that much. I don't watch NFL that much, but I watch football of, of, of what I know. So I'm not that, see, that's that's key. That last thing that you said of what I know, like that's the key. It's almost like you've watched so much men's football that when you see two nets, a ball, they can't use their hands and it's 22 women on the pitch. You're like, okay, I'm waiting for somebody to do something like a coach. I'm waiting for so well, and not that that doesn't happen, but like on a, just on a more physical level. That's why I brought up Gareth Bale. Like you're not going to get a sprinter like that. But if you're waiting for that, that's not going to happen. But because you're used to that happening, then you can't enjoy it on the same level. I just think we're brainwashed in a way. Maybe not even brainwashed is the right word, but we're just tailored to liking a particular way of seeing two nets, grass, ball. You can't use your hands, but it can be done in another way. But if you're used to it happening one way, then it kind of bleeds in your, into your perception again. And I, I feel like your perspective is it's needed in a way because you have to have someone who's willing to say what I think a lot of people are thinking. But I do think it needs to be exposed for something that's not good. Like that you can't enjoy women's football seems like a bad thing for someone who enjoys having like you can't use your hands. The ball needs to go into a goal. One Like one person on each team can. Like the basic rules of football is something that you enjoy. But the fact that you can't enjoy it seems like something that sh that you should explore maybe a little bit deeper. Maybe not you, but like people who think like that. Like why can't I enjoy it? And if it's for reasons that are rooted, I don't want to say in sexism, but just bias, mm. you can maybe change that bias if you expose yourself enough to it. You, can, you can't force yourself to like something you don't like. That's, for me, it's, it's completely wrong. That's I what I'm saying, like, though. You but like, you, like the, you like football. Mm. It's not like, hey, watch snooker or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, no disrespect to anybody that likes that. But you like football you like people not being able to use their hands and kicking a ball around the pitch and trying to put it in a goal like you like that sport so what is it about women that just makes it a little bit uh, in people's minds and I don't I don't have an answer to that question for me as I said I don't watch it as much as I should um and I'm not getting at you because I'm kind of preaching to the choir I'm talking mm -hmm. to myself in the same way in the same sentence yeah I do think I need to do some investigation on what is it about women's football that just maybe doesn't interest me as much as men and I think it's just conditioning and I think you can reverse the conditioning if you're open to it basically just basically just to end it because again we're just going into to end yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. that I just believe that the the crux of my argument is that I want to see the best possible product because that is just what I enjoy I want to see the best films. I want to see the best boxers. Um, again, I can readjust and say, okay, I'm seeing the mid-best, but if uh, if it's carte blanche, what do you want to see? Have anything you want? Yeah, I want to see the best of the best. So I want to see the, the best games. So if it's a choice so then between- why wouldn't you watch the Women's World Cup? So that's the best of the women's game. So you're arguing that you want to see the best films. Well, one, best is subjective. But, and two, like you say you want to watch the best films. My argument here is I'm saying, hey, would you mind watching this film with subtitles on? 
yes, you are watching some of the best football there is in the world right now. You're watching Neymar, you're watching Lionel Messi, you are watching uh, Virgil van Dijk, you're watching Koulibaly. Yes, there's some of the best footballs in the world. I'm also going, hey, there's also another world over there full of incredibly talented football players doing stuff. Would you mind watching four games in the next 365 days? I think the conversation is interesting just in terms of how people are conditioned and their perception of like men and women in that way. But anyway, I don't want to get stuck here, as Hope said. So we're going to pick a couple questions because I don't want to dis disregard your guys' questions totally. Um, so we'll do these over the next five minutes, hopefully. What makes a player world-class? That chemical X that separates Eden Hazard from Stuart Downing and Danny Drinkwater from Kevin De Bruyne from Black Emoji. What makes a player world-class? Best, you have to be best one of the top three top four in your given position over a long period of time i feel as if we did this massive conversation if you go through the archive we had a conversation when it looked as if harry kane was tied with when it looked at harry kane and Romelu lukaku were going to tie for the golden boot this one this is lukaku's last season at Everton, and we discussed whether or not either of those players were world class and then we went into what world class meant by the end of that conversation we got to what hope has just said we want you to be top three top five in your position for a length of approximately three seasons. Wrestler Bret Hart said to be a great wrestler, you'd have to be fantastic in the ring, on the mic, and you'd have to also score highly in the intangibles, um, which made me chuckle when I thought used the term intangibles because that's definitely a term he's picked up from me. Um, I want... Uh, actually, was from Skip Bayless, actually. Oh, well, Skip Bayless <laughs> told it from me. Ah, Carlos Kipis is All right, I, I want to get to these questions. Uh, yeah, like intangibles. I think Mbappe has not had three fantastic seasons, but I think we're all in agreement that Mbappe is world-class because Mbappe has buckets of intangibles. Hmm. Okay, um, MF Bain, talk about Brexit's potential effect on the Premier League. For example, a lower limit of foreign players and players from lower leagues like Barres and Conte possibly not getting a chance due to stricter transfer rules. The best anal analysis of what Brexit could do on football was given by football manager so much to the point that copies of football manager have been given to parliament what and gone this is what could happen to the premier league when if these if these three versions of brexit go ahead and basically um, so, like does does the league turn to like burnley times 20 not so much basically well for anyone who's played football manager and has had, has tried to to sign a South American football player to the Premier League, and has said this deal has been delayed due to a work permit. Um, that is most likely what will happen to European signings to, to players from EU nations as they come to the Premier League. So basically, it becomes as difficult to sign Ronaldo Italian as it is Messi or something like that. Yes. Um, so that's that's one option. That's the most that's the most succinct way I can put it. The the ramifications on the pond that could be four fivefold um so when european players become hard to sign that could either tank their prices they could you, they could become so much cheaper because you know because it's less easy to get them it could bring that purchase rate lower down to, to to south american levels or it could cause them to spike because you have to factor in how much longer it takes them to ex to extricate them from from their teams previously um the knock on effects of what that could do to uh british players um very specific when i say british there um, so British players are already quite expensive, which is one reason why Burnley is, is struggling. Um, I think the sale of Dominic Solanke from Liverpool to Bournemouth for 19 million has shown the uh, premium price you can pay if you want to buy English. I'd imagine that would only increase. But in summary, we don't know. We don't know because I, I don't know what, what type of Brexit is going to happen. I believe 
we are most likely to get a no deal Brexit. It, it just seems inevitable now because the powers that be seem incapable of doing anything. Um, and if we get no deal Brexit, then I have no idea because the, if we're no deal Brexit, no one has any idea what happens next. All right. Um, is Son the best winger in the Premier League? No, because he's not a winger. He's inside forward. Go Dean and Robin on a free transfer to Inter. Ryan Fraser is. Ryan Fraser is the best winger. Ryan Fraser is has the uh, best assists uh, for 2018. Ryan Fraser was top five for assists and got for assists um, in the top five leagues, I believe. Basically, Ryan Fraser had a fantastic 2018, and he's the closest to an orthodox winger um, the Premier League has. So, in terms of getting up and down and whipping crosses, he's up there. And you know, he pulled that funny face when he was next to Troy Deeney in the three-three. So, yeah, Ryan Fraser is probably one of the better like out and out wingers. The Premier League has right now. Uh, go Dean and Robin on a free transfer to Inter. Fire emoji or poop emoji? Not going to happen. And it's also very silly. Like Inter Milan has just, just got themselves <laughs> into Champions League places and Champions League money. The worst thing they could do right now is spend a lot of money on contracts for aging players. Why are modern football fans so obsessed with buying and selling seemingly more than the actual football on the pitch? Already responded to that one. Please read. It's not a modern phenomenon, and that's about hope. This is the player that will take your club to be where you want them to be. Transfer rumors is the business of selling hope. I kind of, I agree, I agree. Um, how good can the trio of Messi, Suarez, and Dembele be if they get clicking? Really good. Very good. Jay, Jay Nicholas, yeah. 1991. They can be very good. They can win a Champions League. How about that, if they get clicking? Um, last question from Air Run 20. Are any of you buying ignorance as a reason for yet another football wearing blackface in Yesta? Um, I could buy ignorance as a reason. Oh, I can go with it. I mean, who knows? It could be racism, but I would tend towards ignorance. It's, yeah, cultural ignorance is what I would put it down to. But that's why one of my resolutions <laughs> is telling people, hey, ignorance. chill out. If he's ignorant, then, well, yeah, now what? Like, quick roll call of the black footballers in Yesta share the changing room with. A lot. Yeah. Enough, but like, are they on the level to where they're gonna tell someone to wear blackface? Probably not. Samuel yeah. Eto probably just wouldn't talk to you. You think he's gonna try to teach you anything? No. <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right. So that has been the return of Talking Tactics to 2019. I'm happy to be back. Some good moments, tense moments. You can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook Talking Tactics 352, Instagram Talking Tactics, SoundCloud Talking Tactics as well. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us there. And last but not least, if you're listening on an Apple device, leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. Easiest way to do that is in the description. You can follow us in the description. I'm at Daniel to look. Have Hope is at. That's Half Hope Hots. Carl Anka is where. Anchorman 616. Yeah. Talking Tactics podcast. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always footballer. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.